You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Oh, what a dilemma. Do I stay or do I pee? Well, what if Eddie said was true? Mr. Toilet Man eating your pee-pee? Oh, well. I guess I really don't believe that. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies, the ones you're nostalgic about, the ones that you remember watching growing up, and we watch them objectively. We let you know, are these movies actually any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watched 1990s family comedy, Look Who's Talking 2. Don't know why we did this. <laughs> just right off the bat, just confused. Confusion. Mikey's back and about to face his greatest challenge, his new baby sister. Uh, yeah, of course, that's his greatest challenge. Everybody's <laughs> greatest challenge, really. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the epic trilogy, Look Who's Talking, it's literally about, I mean, like the first movie I feel like had way more depth and... It had a story. I mean, it had a story. It had a story, yeah. And and to be clear, I did not re-watch Look Who's Talking. In anticipation? <laughs> yeah. No, I did watch no, the trailer. I, I, wiki- I rewatched yeah, that trailer. Yeah, I watched the trailer and I Wikipedia'd the plot. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's basically just like babies like talking, but not like nobody can hear them. It's just like their inner like like monologues really yes. and it's play in it and played by bruce willis yes very similar to the uh, homeward bound film we covered in which they're not doing the babe thing where they're moving the kids mouths uh, mouths and in nope. here they're not doing you know the baby genius thing which thank god they didn't where they did that yeah. cgi manipulation of the mouth it's simply the baby's sort of inner monologue but it does seem that the babies can communicate with each other and they always seem well beyond their years. The premise itself falls apart the seconds, I mean, seconds after thinking about it. And I've, I've, been, I've mm-hmm. been pondering it. I've been pondering it since I've seen it. And it's really, it's done a number on me, Zach. This movie, I, I don't know what to say, because this was this obviously a sequel to a very successful uh, 1989 comedy. And I don't know why, but I saw this one so many more times as a kid than that first one. Yet I've never actually put in a, any sort of VHS tape of this, a DVD of this. This is a movie I have always caught on TV. No other way. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think I think this was a movie, and, and for those of you wondering why we, I think we just, I mean, you just kind of said it for those of you wondering why we didn't just do the first movie and we did the sequel. It's because both of us agreed that we saw the sequel way more times than we ever saw the first one. Yeah. I know for me... Um, God, <laughs> I got it on Blockbuster a few times. Really? Wow. Yeah, okay. This is a Blockbuster movie for me. Um, I think it, I think it was just you know when I was living with my mom, we were just kind of living together with my grandmother, and like it, that was one that like my mom must have loved. Look who's talking. If I had to guess, and then she you know she got look who's talking to, and you know me being the small child I was, she was probably just like you know it, the babies talk and make. And they're funny. And I'm like, okay, sold. So First off, I think I also, we also chose the second one because I was under the assumption for some reason that the first one was this critically beloved <laughs> classic of some kind. It is not. Nope. No. It is not. No, uh, no. It did make an insane no. amount of money that we can get into here shortly. But yeah, the second film I watched a, so many times on TV with my sisters. The third film, which we'll also get into, I've never seen it, still haven't seen uh, in all 30 years of my life. But uh, this, that first film was a fucking cultural phenomenon somehow. It came out in 1989. Don't get it. Yeah, it was a monster hit. It cost only $7.5 million to make. It earned $240 million worldwide. It Holy ended up fucking shit. Yeah, it ended up beating out Back to the Future 2 and Ghostbusters 2 at the domestic box office that year. The fourth fucking biggest film in 1989 and that's the year with like batman and like indiana jones and the cruise like last crusade it is a, a crazy year for that's, movies it's what an insane i mean <laughs> just like it, it, that's crazy because we talk about so many of those movies now yeah 
those are cultural classics, and this doesn't even have a fucking Blu-ray release or anything. Like you can't. I would. I would <laughs> bet a lot of people, if you were like, "Have you ever seen Look Who's Talking?" Would say no. It's possible. I don't. Or or, or they did see it. I mean, it, and they forgot. Are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, or something like that. But I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense when you look at the cast of it. John Travolta was fucking at, at yes. peak. John Travolta, I think at this point. Sorry, John Travolta, you were peaking. <laughs> <laughs> at look he's talking in greece um but, true you got kirstie alley of course who's then, kind of yeah very beloved in the comedy scene and bruce willis right off die know, hard right yeah. off die hard like it's like it makes sense that just like this was probably i mean just like a comedy you couldn't fucking miss when it came out yeah the first I, one the first the, one we are talking the first one <laughs> yes look who's talking again 1989 that was also directed by this film's director amy heckerling Heckerling, uh, you may have heard that name before. She actually began her career with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hello. Then she brought us Johnny Dangerously, National Lampoon's European Vacation, <laughs> the best one. Yeah, the best <laughs> one. <laughs> then came both of the Look Who's Talking films. Uh, later, she did Clueless and Loser with Jason Biggs, uh, Zach's favorite movie. Um, I could never be. <laughs> I could never be your woman. And most recently, uh, Vamps. Man. Um, Couple of like, uh, couple of Genuine hits in there. Classics. Yeah, yeah, couple of hits yep. in there. Like Fast Times, Clueless. Like a couple of yeah. good ones in there, and then a couple of you know losers, if you know what I mean. But yeah, the first Look Who's Talking was no critical darling. It received very mixed reviews, but audiences ate that shit up. Its sequel, not so much. So <laughs> Look Who's Talking Two has a four point seven on IMDb and a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't even have a goddamn critics consensus. They couldn't bother to, to sum up what the critics thought about the well, movie. Well, I mean, critics must have walked out like <laughs> after seeing that baby in the womb puppet. Like, oh my god, that dude, we gotta get to horrifying. That. Yep. I know. I can't wait to talk about that That's part. That's fucking but, Cronenberg shit. Yeah, but yeah, man. I mean, it's just. I, is this one of maybe the worst rated film we've ever gone into? It's one of them. Yeah, I think Kangaroo Jack's probably around there oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, there's a few that we've done in the less than 20% region. And honestly, I love talking about these movies because there's usually a, a lot to say. Or at least you know, to it's, it's a real catch 22 with these because we love talking about them and like, you know, laughing at this bullshit. But at the same time, you know, as as far as the format of this podcast goes, like, is it questionable? Like, I think we can probably tip our hat immediately and just say... <laughs> There's really no redeeming qualities from this film. Like you are, ju- you are tuning in to hear us laugh at just an absolute joke of a movie for about an hour. Uh, I could, I could not find a hard budget estimate either. I did find out it earned about forty-seven million dollars in its theatrical run. Uh, and um, three years after the release of this film, a second sequel entitled "Look Who's Talking Now," which came out in ninety-three, uh, concluded this trilogy that was released. Um, in the yeah November of '93, it was the final in this fucking film trilogy, which depicts the family becoming the owners of two dogs, Rox and Daphne, voiced by Danny DeVito and Diane Keaton. That film, by the way, a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the coveted zero percent. I mean, ma- this one must have made some money, right? Yeah, like I said, forty-seven million to, enough yeah. to enough to make a sequel to this one anyway. But damn, uh, it seemed like no one really loved making this movie. In fact, in a 2016 interview uh, with the uh, the Current, which is an online publication of the Criterion Channel, Amy Heckerling did mention she quote sort of sort of been forced into doing a sequel to Look Who's Talking for legal reasons, and it was just like the story's over. That was not a fun experience. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's obvious too because. There's, there's like no, no there's here. no there's no story in this movie. There really isn't. Like it literally just like I we've talked about this before in some of these movies that we've covered, but this I think is the best example of just like things happen and then uh, the movie just signed of sort of ends. Like it really <laughs> just like and it probably dare I say ruins the integrity of the first movie. <laughs> it probably kills all the charm because I mean that whole first movie is about this single mom finding the love of her life. Yes. You know, like that that is more of an adult story than and then in this one they just like kind of break up for a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, that, also, that movie also had something to say, even if it was a broad, slapsticky comedy about, you know, the, the feminine perspective, especially during that time. Like, a lot yes. of that movie is about her trying to get work and, and just, like, how difficult it is in the landscape at that, at that moment. And this one tries for, like, five seconds, and then it just doesn't. Gives it right up. Yeah, absolutely. Gives it right up. This movie does have returning cast members, obviously, Kirstie Alley, John Travolta, Ben, uh, Bruce Willis, Ben Willis, ugh. Bruce Willis, <laughs> Bruce Willis as the voice of uh, Mikey, and um, we do have Olympia Dukakis returning, as well as Twink Kaplan as her friend. I, we do get a few new faces like Gilbert Gottfried, which was great to see him for a couple minutes in there. You want a Razzie for this movie, though. <laughs> he was, wait, did he win? I know he was nominated, the poor guy, yeah, so oh, sad. I, maybe he was nominated and didn't win, but I know he, I know. he, he got a Raz. He was somewhere in the Razzie conversation for this movie, which <laughs> is really really sad because he's only in the movie about five minutes. <laughs> I don't think it warrants it, honestly. No, he literally, no. like he's on screen for like two seconds doing the best he can. However, um, worst supporting actress nomination for Roseanne Barr, the voice uh, actress here, maybe warranted. Fair, maybe warranted. fair. Yeah, super fair. But um. I think this is the first time on the show I can tell you that the movie's rated PG-13, but I cannot tell you what it's rated PG-13 for. There's no official, I could not find the official MPAA certificate. Um, I know it's PG-13 because there's a few fucks and obviously some sex-related dialogue, yeah. but... All I can think is is the sperm scene. Like, that's uh, all I can think. Like, I mean, there, there's some there's some raunchy stuff in here for a family comedy, I will say. Some yeah. lines of dialogue, this bits and pieces here. And I would understand why it's rated PG-13. I also know that that rating had just been created a few years prior, so maybe that's why it doesn't explicitly list why it's rated PG-13, but I feel like I might have stumbled upon a, a conspiracy here, Zach. Something, something's, something's here. we got to read into this. Pizzagate people, look into this. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd love to hear what exact, like, this is, is this QAnon? Like, what, like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, yeah, I mean, babies, is, it's got to do with yeah, babies, this dude. This is some sort of Biden fucking conspiracy. <laughs> All right, well, let's go, Brandon, and let's talk about this movie, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you love uh, that scene. No, I hate, I hate that so much. Let's Anytime I'm on the, I've had several uh, moments at my job where I pick up the phone, I say, hey, this is Brandon, and they're like, oh, let's go, Brandon, and it's, uh, I know who uh, I'm talking to. You should yeah. hang up at that point. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, if, unless there's anything else, Zach, uh, you want to mention before we get in? You want to want to get into this, Shin? Sorry in advance if we don't know what the fuck we're talking about when we're walking through the plot. That's it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because what plot is there? Um, and what, by the way, what the fuck was with this opening narration over the TriStar logo? Uh, you watched this on Hulu, right? I did watch. It was this just on some Hulu. guy like. Yeah, doing like a goofy doing, impression or yeah, something. Yeah, doing like right away, you know what shtick you're getting into because they do a voiceover of the horse. They're like, "Oh, what is the horse thinking?" And it's this <laughs> fucking goofy like, "Oh, I'm a horse, I'm a horse." And like, like maybe if I had like smoked beforehand, this would have been funny. But like it, it like knowing that I'm going into just a fucking pitfall of a movie and having that welcome me was a real kick in the nads. <laughs> it really put me off immediately. Put a real bad taste in my mouth, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we once again open where most family comedies do, inside the female womb. Yeah. Um, although strikingly similar to the opening shots of Finding Nemo, I thought, with the little egg floating in between all this weird blue... I don't know what honestly they're going for. Yeah, only you could make that connection. <laughs> I did. This was. I kept picturing fucking Marlin or expecting Marlin to come out of one of these little rivets in the. <laughs> you know what says something about this movie though, um, and like my quote unquote nostalgia for it. This is the only scene in the movie that I fucking remember. I think everyone remembers this, and I I, I think they yeah. play on it in the first one as well. And I don't want to say I saw this in a in a health class, but maybe I saw part of this in a health class. <laughs> It's entirely possible you saw it in a health class because, I mean, it is sort of like a... A legit representation you know, of what's going on. A legit representation of what's happening. I mean, and them getting around the uh, the contraception and everything like that. Like, it's like... But I, again, like, put in perspective, when I saw this movie, it came out in what? 90... 1990. 1990. 1990. Yeah. So I was... I mean, the movie was two years old when I was born. Right, <laughs> right. Then, and then, like, I saw it as a child from, you know, in Blockbuster. And that's what sticks with me, the sexual health representation of it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the kind of movie you're in for. The mo Like, the thing that's going to stick with children the most in it 
is the sex organs. Because <laughs> we start off with the egg, and then it cuts to, you know, Kirstie Alley, John Travolta. They're snuggling up in bed. And then in the other room, we hear Bruce Willis's narration as he's scared of his fucking toys in the dark. And I, I will say, and this is what bothers me the most about this movie, probably the first movie, but again, I don't have much of a memory of that to, to clarify, but I, this movie's particularly, it just seems like they shot a bunch of this kid and then they mm-hmm. edited it together and then they just had Bruce Willis fucking riff about whatever he's watching on yeah. the screen. Similar to like what I would do as a kid when I'd watch Discovery Channel and there'd be like animals on screen and as an annoying kid, I'd just make up words for them to say and my, my yeah. parents would be like, shut the hell up. <laughs> it feels borderline like mystery science theater. Yes, like, yes, it does. It's very, it's very weird. And like, I feel like sometimes they try and, because the kid is a toddler, obviously it's a baby in the first movie, he's a toddler in this one. So I feel like they're trying to like force him to like say a few lines because every once in a while you will see his mouth move and it's like matching up with what Bruce Willis is saying. Yep. But otherwise, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like they literally were just like filming this kid and they were like, okay, Bruce, just like he's scared. Like they didn't give Bruce Willis lines. They're just like, okay, he's scared in this one. Yeah. So he's just like pointing out things he sees in the room and then. He's like, okay, there's just- my penguin. There's, my, there's a toy. Okay. I'm pretty scared. <laughs> <laughs> like it's literally like yeah, anybody exactly. could have done this. But John Travolta, you know, who's his stepdad, because in the first one, remember, he's not the actual biological father of of Mikey. Um, they they fall in love Correct. afterwards. Yeah. But John Travolta comes in, he cheers him up, uh, puts his wandering mind to ease, and heads back to bed where he's hoping to have a little sexual intercourse. There. Yeah. Kirstie Alley, she's tired though, and as she's falling asleep, she's like, "Oh no, I'm too tired or whatnot." She says something along the lines of. You wouldn't have much fun with me while I'm asleep. And then Travolta replies, hasn't stopped me before. And it's a yuck, yuck moment. Yeah, Come it's on. A yuck moment right off the bat. Come on. Also, I, one thing we need to touch on is that, um, and I just don't fucking get this. I mean, I get people are passionate about their jobs, but like it's a main theme in this movie that Chris. Kirstie Allen is like she she has like a baseball sort of nostalgia over accounting. (laughs) She reads accounting journals in bed. She like sits around with their friends at the table. They're like, this is the most fun fucking thing in the world. Like, (laughs) Well, it deals with their two favorite things, numbers and people's act. Does it? (laughs) Which is a line in the movie. (laughs) Like she romanticizes it like they do in fucking, like they do baseball in Bull Durham. Like it's it's fucking insane. And he's, he's what? Like he, he used to be a pilot. Now he's a taxi driver making far less money. They're struggling to make ends meet. And nevertheless, John Travolta's swagger and charisma convinces it to happen because we then cut to, gross, a flurry of semen racing toward the screen. And we get to watch in excruciating detail this fucking t- Tatooine pod race of these yeah. sperm like fighting their way to the egg. And you'd think this is just like a, a quick like 10 second scene. <laughs> No, no, no. This goes it, on for like... It's the credit sequence, yeah. Yeah, this goes on for like a good two minutes, I would say. Or or more. If you were to take out all of the montages in this movie... The movie, by the way, is a scant 80 minutes. But if you take out yeah. all the montages, it's it's less than an hour long. Yeah. There's there's genuinely so little plot there's that's not nothing. covered with uh, with music and, and quick cuts. Yeah. Yeah, nothing happening here. I'd like, and there's, and as you would suspect, there's like very few jokes going on too. Yeah, but I mean, they're trying. They are trying. They're trying. They're trying, and it's it starts with this sperm sequence when they're all like yelling at each other, like "Let's go, bro!" Like, and then bro. they all die off. Yeah, and then like <laughs> they're all voiced by then, John Travolta, and then the voice, the yeah. egg is voiced by Kirstie Alley. Kirstie the egg Alley. doesn't seem to like what's going on, and neither do I. Yeah, that's that's what gets creepy about it too is that she's like get out of here sperm and he's like come on baby let me in and it's like and she's and like she's saying no the whole time like yeah, it, it really like this. just right off the bat they're like unconsensual sex jokes like two in a row yeah it's, and then it's like bearing its way into the egg and the egg screaming and then we cut to yeah like her man i just yeah yeah. yeah, it's not good, man. <sighs> but we do pick up with the now married um, Molly and James. That's Kirstie Alley, John Travolta, preparing for the birth of a new baby girl, which we see, by the way, this fucking disturbing, disturbing fetal puppet. Oh, my God. I love puppets, Brandon. I never like this one deserves an or like 
should live in fucking the Dark Crystal or something. It is yes. terrifying. It is David Lynch, David Cronenberg mixed. I I didn't like this. I didn't like this at no. all. Um, and one of its first lines, it, because again, it's also talking in the womb, using the lovely voice of Roseanne Barr. Yeah, because everybody loves to listen to Roseanne Barr. Holy shit! Yeah, and that was that seems to be the joke. Is it was like her and Fran Drescher in the '90s, and it was like, don't mm-hmm. you just love the sound of this? woman's voice yeah well it's like oh you take like a beautiful baby girl you know so cute and then you just get rousy on by oh god and this fetal puppet's first line or one of them is like don't you just hate it when your head gets caught in your placenta i do i do yeah and like there's like placenta like floating around smack like, it. smacking this puppet in the face it's like <laughs> also i don't like we'll get into this during the birth but like this takes a dark turn at a point this puppet Oh, oh, it takes a real dark turn, yet it's all played for laughs. Yeah. Um, the other, I guess, plot line that we can say is happening in this movie is that they're also trying to teach Mikey how to use the potty. This is hard. Uh, that seems to <laughs> but that seems to be the only like arc he has, I guess, other than being a good brother, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's weird, like, again, if this had been a better movie or a more like a bit more passion thrown into this movie this maybe becomes a thing where it's like the parents are going through real fucking issues. Like their marriage is falling apart. They don't have the money to support their children. This kid like is just like doing like baby stuff. Like he's learning how to use the bathroom. So I think it's like just kind of funny again, just like if they put like five more seconds of thought into this movie, it suddenly becomes like kind of a poignant sort of thing. But here it's so bare bones. And again, he's trying to get accustomed to the idea of being a big brother, which again, I like that concept, but not explored at all here. We're more interested in in Mr. Toilet Man, which we'll get into in a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was was that also played by Danny DeVito? No. So that was actually played by, I looked it up, it's Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, thank you. I, I knew it was some like guy from the ni- old guy from the nineties that I used to love. Um, yeah, I mean honestly, one of the film I mean, one of this the movie's major miscalculations is this damn baby puppet inside the womb because at this point, the umbilical cord is getting wrapped around its neck, choking it out. And it's like the fucking director's cut of butterfly effect or something happening here. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking crazy. And like they ha- and like they have to do an emergency cesarean yep. playing for like laughs because it's Roseanne being like, Well, I guess this is it for me. At least I lived a long life. And it's like this baby's about to die in the womb because it's choking on its own umbilical cord. Like, that's not funny. I don't care. Like, yeah, like, no, I don't think you can play that off for laughs. And like a lazy Roseanne Barr, like just fucking like making light of it doesn't help the situation at all. Quote, I heard life is short, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) It's a gross movie. Very gross. Very misguided at the least. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully, she's born with no real medical issues or anything like that. She meets Mikey and right away we can, we as the audience recognize that they can understand each other. Cause I guess babies can just do this. Okay. So the conceit of the movie is they'll be able to talk to each other, but the parents around them won't be able to, I guess similar to hear them similar to like a Brian Stewie family guy situation. Yeah, I guess. But it's also, you know, like the, uh, the homeward bound thing too. Like you mentioned yes. earlier, where it's like, they can all understand each other. But again, it just like any thought into this premise, it just falls apart immediately because it's like they're babies, so they don't understand most of what the world has to offer. Yet they have all these like cultural references, and they're fucking. It just makes no sense. Yeah, big, so, big vocabulary. Like, yeah, yeah it's this <laughs> is dumb. Huh, I, somehow, I mean, well yeah, years. like again, in the first movie, you can probably suspend your disbelief of just being like, "Oh, wouldn't this be funny if this is what babies are thinking about?" But by the second movie, you're like. Uh, uh. Like, the charm of it is gone, and so you're just like, why is this a thing? (laughs) One of the few, I wouldn't even say laughs, because I don't necessarily think I did laugh out loud at all during the movie, but one of the things that did bring me a smile was at least hearing the voice of Damon Wayans as uh, Mikey's friend, Eddie, and they're at this, like, kid gym thing. I think this is where they're they're first introduced talking to each other, but Eddie is his friend. He tells him about, uh, you know, diapers and potty training, and he's like, diapers are, you know, for babies. We yeah. got to start using this toilet. You should probably aim to feed the toilet because Mr. Toilet Man, more specifically, eats your doo-doo and your pee-pee. 
Yeah, I mean, the only, like, you're right, I, like, the only maybe sort of somewhat, like, humor I got out of this, and it, it had nothing to do with the actual movie, it was the fact that they made Bruce Willis sit in a booth and talk about uh, doo-doo and pee-pee. <laughs> oh my god. This is the closest we come to a fart joke, by the way. Absolutely absurd. I'm trying to think, yeah, there's gotta be one in there, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't leave enough of an impression to to make me write it down, but there's gotta no. be something in there somewhere. No, but. and I mean, it's too bad. One fart joke, this movie goes up to a 75. Yeah, that's our, that's our rating scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flawless, yeah. Oh my god. And what's funny is this is Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis chatting this is the year before last boy scout which uh was actually a pretty fun little action movie from what i remembered from the early 90s but yeah mr toilet man will eventually get to see him in in action here shortly but more and more of this movie just becomes james and molly fighting and bickering i don't like this couple they're not good together no it's yeah i mean it's it's a painful to watch because like you like there's nothing really else going on in this movie so you feel like you just kind of like tuned in to watch these two people yell at each other and it's like i don't you know if you haven't seen the first movie and like i don't at this point i don't think it even matters but like you don't like these people enough or care about these people enough to care about their marriage falling apart so you really just watch like you feel like a just watching people argue about nothing it kind of sucks if you have no memory of that first one or didn't see that first one, you have no idea like why these people are even together. It seems like they're just the complete opposite personality types. Cause His again, par- she- her parents hate him and it's just like, well, maybe they're onto something like, and that, that doesn't make you feel good when you're talking about your main characters. Yeah. He feels emasculated cause he's not able to make enough money. Um, and yeah, her parents want him to do this. It's like an on call pilot job or some, something there. Yeah. Dr- Flying a a private jet. Okay, all right. For like rich people, and like, I sounds like it could be worse, you know? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it seems worse than driving the taxi cab, but again, more seems to be with him the hours and the lack of time he'll be able to spend with Mikey. Because again, he's a good dad. He's not though. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well. I don't know. Maybe he is. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I've seen like a couple of like. Uh, the, the only scene I remember of him being a, a dad, quote unquote, is when he uses his kid to scam themselves into a movie theater. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, that's all he does. He's he's a classic wise guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he he was born and raised on the streets in New York. You can tell he's in a taxi. Ta- taxi. Yeah, yeah. A slice of pizza. Huh, and just when he thought things couldn't get any worse, we then have Molly's uh, slacker right-wing younger brother, Stuart. Don't get uh, this. Don't get this at all. Elias Mateus. Yeah, he comes to stay, and he comes in saying something wildly offensive right off the bat, something like, Orientals are ruining this country. Or that's yeah, how he it's starts. like his first line. It's like, whoa, am I supposed to like this guy? Because at first I thought, oh, we're supposed to think this guy's an asshole and we want to get him out. But no, it seems Kirstie Alley loves her brother and that we're just supposed to think of him as some lovable scamp who's going to save yeah, the day. I don't know, like... Did they ever think that was playing for laughs? Because I like I get that 1990 different time, sure. different time, and I get it. There's a lot of like, people in the audience even, at this point pointing at the the screen, going, "Hey, hey finally, there's a character yeah, exactly. I can relate to." Like, that's, I don't think that that ever plays for laughs. I feel like that just either makes it makes your liberal audience uncomfortable, and it makes your right wing audience. Go like, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, let's go, Brandon. Like, it's <laughs> just, like, I don't, it's unnecessary. Like, he can be an eccentric weirdo without, like, going with the racism right off the top. Yeah, yeah like, right Whoa. off the top. Blaming Asian people for ruining the city. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think it's either that night or later or shortly after, Mikey does have a nightmare featuring this anthropomorphic Mr. Toilet Man. Mel Brooks. Yep, Mel Brooks. He's got blue eyebrows and, and vampire fangs. Um, I, I don't know. It just kind of made me giggle. <laughs> that's maybe, the thing. Is like, it's the one so thing ridiculous. that I was just like, and that's that's entirely like just the absurdity of it and like Mel Brooks of just being like, <laughs> like yeah, this is funny. The like, toilet seat lid is like coming up and down. Pu- he's got, give me a poop. <laughs> <laughs> He's just shouting at this kid for his pee-pee. Yeah, and, like, blue, like, water is, like, spewing from his mouth all over the place. Like, it is, like, it's so over the top that it's, like, genuinely maybe the only funny thing in this movie. 
<laughs> you got me, Mr. Toilet. Yeah, you, yeah, you win, Mr. Toilet. But now, yeah, they're fighting over everything from James thinking Molly is babying Mikey too much to her brother <laughs> pointing a gun at him when he comes home from work. It's not loaded, man. It's just a nine millimeter. <laughs> like, okay. Take a shot. Uh, if you want to play a drinking game, by the way, take a shot every time John Travolta says, I want him out. Because <laughs> he says it like four times. Or anytime he, like, you know, makes up a little song or something like that. That's clearly what they're using Travolta for. And that's his strengths. There's one yeah. there's one little scene in here where I would say there's at least some, like, energy to what's going on when he's at that fucking baby gym. Yeah, and he starts dancing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a very Travolta thing to do. They were like, you were in Greece, right? <laughs> Get to work. Go on. Gone. Dance yeah. monkey, dance for your dollar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then there's then they give you bits where you just hate him, like he's a fucking asshole. There's this bit where they're rolling back and forth, pulling the covers over each other, and he takes out scissors and just cuts down the center of the sheets. Like you're a fucking psycho, man. Yeah, man. It's <sighs> you probably get some like more enjoyment out of it if you had seen the first one and get to know these characters a little bit more intimately. But god damn it, if you watch this with no right. context, there's nothing redeemable about John Travolta or well, Christy Alley maybe, but like it's just again, like this whole like idea that you're just watching them fight for an hour is like ugh. And then you're not a fan of her because of her relationship to her brother and why she's able to just let him like walk all over and mm-hmm. treat everyone poorly. It's just a weird situation. We we do get this baby Jim scene uh, where we are introduced to Gilbert Gottfried. He's Joey, the baby Jim instructor, um, and he's doing his you know Gilbert Gottfried. He's doing you, Gilbert you Gottfried. Pay, yeah, yeah, you're getting what you're paid for. He's up there doing all kinds of weird shit and like by kids. And <clears> listen, I. I love Gilbert Godfrey just as much as anyone else. I really do. But I think this movie has a quota for annoying, loud voices, and you meet it with Roseanne Barr. You don't necessarily need. <laughs> you don't necessarily need him. No, no, you no. You should have got that guy, the sleepy tear eyes, the guy who was in like the wet, eye, dry eyes, Casper guy. Remember? Yes, him? that guy would <laughs> have been a- great. That's a good balance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Also. Uh, I think a missed opportunity not to have Gilbert Godfrey like play a like a baby, just like a baby in passing. Like it'd be funny because like at one point he like stops and like talks to someone and like the baby stops and talks to another baby in a stroller. And it Uh just would have been so much funnier if Gilbert Godfrey responded instead of I think it was Damon Wayne's Jr., I don't know who it was, but yeah, they're doing like it a was big, in like, this goofy. Movie. Yeah. 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 It would have just been way funnier. That's a baby girl. I know what that is. <laughs> Which, again, you tell me that there's a third movie and then you ask like who you think's in it. Danny DeVito? Question mark. Yeah, of course. That would yeah, make sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At this baby gym, there is some dialogue, too, that I, I kept reading into because again they're throwing the way, these away as jokes but for kids watching this or for anyone like paying attention like eddie and mikey are talking about how they're looking up someone's dress and it's like what are <laughs> what are what do they know Dude, what did they know yeah i just don't yeah it. it, it's, what are we doing here it's gross yeah but eventually we get back to baby stuff and mikey pisses his pants yep hilarious <laughs> later that day james and molly once again have a blow up over Stuart, and this one um, sort of prompts James uh, Travolta there to, to walk out. He's done. Yep. And this causes Mikey to get all mad, and he rips Julie's stuffed penguin's head off. Now, we haven't mentioned a whole lot of these kids. The movie's really centered on pretty much Mikey and Julie, yeah. Julie being Roseanne Barr. And so much of this movie is making this kid cry. <laughs> I, oh, they make this baby cry so much. Nonstop. And like, it seems to be like their big laugh every time in the editing room is when they can match up Roseanne's screams to this baby's screams. And like, I, and like, I, I get it, yeah, but like not I enough to it. make a movie out of it. No, no. And it's like, I, similar to when we did that Homeward Bound episode and we, we commented on like, I feel like there's a fucking like locked vault of editing, like, like lost footage yeah. of that film, like of terrible things we're never meant to see. I'm sure there's plenty of like them like pinching this baby or whatever they're trying yeah, to do to get the like screaming the, at a baby off scream or something. Yeah, like or just, yeah, yeah, doing something <laughs> to just make this baby cry, and it's like, ugh, god, oh gosh. But yeah, this uh, this this decapitation of her penguin friend really sends her over the edge, and this is supposed to be her like 
final straw, like, that's it, I'm getting out of here, I guess. But yeah, I imagine this must have just been a real bummer to shoot. I Yeah, you could just tell that, like, about halfway through this movie, maybe even before that, they were just like, I, like... I can't do it. Like, I just can't, like, I don't have (laughs) the energy or the motivation, like just put together a movie, like wrap it up and like send it off to the studio. Also, we skipped over it. Remember the one scene where she like takes her baby into the office and her boss like belittles her for doing it. (laughs) Oh yeah. We totally skipped over that because it was like, it comes out of nowhere and so unnecessary because it doesn't play into this movie at all. No, like it felt it, like that was the one piece of passion in this movie, though, where it's just like this is what women have to deal with. Yeah, and it felt like she. It felt like the director threw that in there to like get it in there, and then the rest of this movie was like, okay, fuck it, I don't care, whatever. I got yes. my one scene in. At this point, yeah, she's about to walk away. She's gonna learn to walk to like finally leave this place. But this is where we get a full. It's a full song. It's like three or four minute long montage of it's like Julie crying. Mikey thinking about how much he loves his sister, I guess, because this is his little turning point of maybe I'm going to be a better brother, I think is what we're supposed to pull from this. I don't know. Man, but just wasted minutes. And we do get that energy, that scene of energy, which I did actually kind of like. There's some fun camera work. It almost seems like they cut like a dance sequence together. It's one moment in this movie where you're like, all right, they like they probably storyboarded this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like they at least planned this one out. Yeah, he's like dancing around the baby gym to Elvis. It's kind of fun. It's whatever. But again, at least one scene where I was like, well, yeah, this seemed like something they they went in with a shot list for the day and they did what you would on a movie as opposed to just letting like cameras roll on these kids and then find some sort of narrative in the edit room, which is what a lot of this movie feels like. Yeah. But Julie uh, does finally learn to walk. Um, This is after, though, they, they do another montage of this like, let's get sexy it's it's Kirstie Alley wanting to seduce James because he's left and she's worried that he's out like partying or something. So she like there's this whole like let's be women and and you know, perfume and all this bullshit. And it's also cross cut with Julie doing the same stuff, which I guess is funny. It's not, uh, especially when like <laughs> the first shot of this montage is like Kirstie Alley's tits. Yeah, getting sprayed like with perfume. Right yeah. in your face, yeah. Yeah, yeah. she misses him. So she, he does eventually get home um, to drop off the kids. This is after he's, yeah, conned their way into the movie theater. This whole bit could work. I don't know if it works today in 2022 because they're probably still demanding that money, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this whole thing is about, wait, what, basically having like a kid whine at the the, sta- the concession stand? Yeah. Uh, or, well, the first thing is what? He takes the kid's shoe off. I'm trying to let everyone know, maybe some parents out there want to score a free ticket. He takes one of the kid's shoes off, yeah. says he left it in the theater, so the usher lets him back in. He then gets an empty thing of popcorn and asks uh, for a refill because the kids knocked it over, and then he just has his kids scream the entire time. So the person behind the counter is like, "Fuck this! Just take this Fucking and go. Just go, yeah." <laughs> so maybe it works. I don't know. Either way, he takes I, him to total know what? recall. It's, I think. It's, yeah, it is a. I've. I feel like everybody's seen this in the theater, and it's just like, yeah, just fucking whatever, man. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, your life seems a lot shittier than whatever four dollars I'm going to get for this popcorn. Yeah, here. exactly. <sighs> but um. When he does get back home, she does try to, uh, to seduce him there, and he doesn't seem to be having it. Seems to be his traditional kind of travolty chody self. Yeah. And they continue to bicker, but at this moment, that's when Mikey finally takes a piss in the toilet, uh, manages to hold his pee-pee in until he gets to Mr. Toilet Man, and this is a huge, like, happy moment. His parents are, like, very proud of him. It seems to be the conclusion of Mikey's arc, other than the fact that maybe he'll help his sister out here in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, God. Huh. Also, the baby walks. Yes, because she's like trying to escape, <laughs> and but like that's that's like Kirstie Alley's just like, oh my god, if only, if only John Travolta was here to see this. Yes, because he leaves because he missed. Yeah, because he's got to go catch his flight, and uh, there's also a huge storm that's come through, so it's raining pretty hard, and um, she seems to have some sort of premonition or whatever that things are going to go poorly and she wants to kind of make up with him now i guess this okay this sequence of events pisses me off so much can i just like walk through like what they do so she like you know she's like sitting in front of like the weather and they're just like there's two storms converging right at each other it's just like okay and then she's like (laughs) i gotta go warn him and so she runs to the airport and she like you know is running around the tarmac 
not allowed in 2000s by the way. But so she's running around the tarmac looking for him, finds his finds his plane, and she's just like, no, you can't fly. Like, there's two flights converging. And he's like, you know, they'd tell us if we can't fly. And then, like, right over the radio, it's just like, uh, we're canceling all flights. And he's like, <laughs> okay. Like, and so, like, and, like, literally just, like, if she hadn't come, it's not like he would have flown. <laughs> like he literally like was in the middle of doing nothing when they're just like, yeah, flight's canceled, and he's just like, okay, I guess I'm not flying today. Like it literally like she she impacted nothing in this movie, and it's supposed to be like this big romantic gesture. And it's just like literally like, and she sat there and done. Dick all. Not only would her apartment not have been broken into, a fire wouldn't have fucking started on it, and he'd have fucking come home anyway because he had nothing to do. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, we did fail to mention that there's a series of burglaries going on, um, <clears throat> which impacts her best friend Rona, uh, who is a, yeah Twink Kaplan returning from that first film. So she, mm-hmm. for a very brief time after James has moved out and Stuart has moved in, uh, Rona moves in as well. Uh, because she just feels unsafe in her apartment, and that's when she starts dating Stuart. I guess they hook it off, yeah. hook up pretty quickly, and and uh, yeah, because <laughs> underneath weird. this racist psychopath, she sees a heart of gold. Heart of gold, absolutely. Huh. So I guess this that whole bit there at the uh, the airport with Kirstie Alley and John Travolta is sort of supposed to set up what's the the B story, what's happening back at the apartment because she leaves the two kids um, under the care of Stuart, uh, which at First, you know, they're having some fun. It looks like he's cooking. He seems to be having a good time. But that's when a burglar, a very fucking presumptuous burglar. There is there's music happening inside. Yeah. What, like, and he just he, he comes in with no gun. And it seems like it's just a, a like a generic cat burglar. No mask. Nothing. Just going into like rummage through things in a drawer, I guess. I honestly at one point I looked away and then I looked back and I thought it was I thought it was her brother. Yeah, like yeah. I thought it was the same guy. It's like, so weird. What's he doing? He's got like a fucking glass cutter and like cuts the circle out, Mission Impossible style. Unlocks. The I literally and- like. I I have to admit, I had no fucking idea what was going on because I was like, wait, there's a burglar now, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right, she moved in because yeah, of the yeah they like, set I it up, they set it up. Like, yeah, it's good screenwriting. Um, but I had fucking. I had no fucking idea what was happening in this movie oh at this point. God. I had no fucking clue. I was like, why is this happening? What's <laughs> what's going on? Is this oh, like is this the climax? Is this movie almost over? <laughs> That's the thing. This is the cli- we're watching the climax right now. Presumably it's the same burglar who also robbed Rona and uh, yeah, breaks in. Uh and that's when Stuart comes in, catches him cuz again, I love that he's cooking. Here's like the softest glass, like softest something like moving or something in the bedroom and automatically isn't like, holy shit, someone's broken in. I got to kill him. Gets the gun um, somehow is like fought off and the guy runs out. And instead of him, I don't know, locking up, calling the police, whatever you would do in that situation. He just fucking leaves two two unattended uh, toddlers, a toddler and a baby fucking chases him out into the rain because he's got to prove his worth. This is why he carries an unloaded gun, Brandon, so he can use it. Yeah, this is the fantasy, right? This is yeah, the fantasy. This is exactly what you buy a gun for. <sighs> Go buy guns. Guns. Sponsor so us you- guns. <laughs> Big gun America. God damn it. <laughs> um, but that's, of course, when, after Stuart has left, the kitchen is going to catch on fire. Because he left the fucking oven mitt or some sort of paper or whatever he left right on the goddamn paper, yeah, stove just there. Like paper, yeah. Huh, so it starts a fire. he's an accountant too, Brandon. He is blood. an accountant. Yeah, yeah, it's in their blood. They, there's a whole bit about, yeah, they fucking yeah, whole love family numbers. is accountants, yeah. <laughs> For whatever reason, we not only have, I-, I thought, all right, well, we're going to be with the- these kids as they escape the fire. But it seems like there's maybe only four or five shots with them leaving. Like, it's just him pushing a stroller out, the co- out there. I mean, again, he steps up. He saves his sister while all this hot stuff's around him. But then we spend, it seems like, more time with Stuart fighting this guy in the rain. <laughs> yeah. I like. I don't care about what's going on out here, but all right, I don't whatever. care about Stuart. I don't care about this burglar. <laughs> I came here to watch some fucking kids talk. And I can't even watch them escape a fire. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? But yeah, luckily, Mikey does push his sister out of the apartment and to safety. Um, James winds up showing up. They, uh, Him and Christy Alley show up, and they, he winds up knocking the guy out that 
that Stuart's fighting, and then they run upstairs, um, and it seems like, you know, everything's good. They got out. There's no real damage because he's also able to save the apartment. Like, he goes in with a fire extinguisher and gets out all the spots, it seems. And I guess that's the climax. If you had any doubts, we get that classic first responders scene where they're all outside and the camera's yeah. kind of jiving up, and it's like, oh, well, I guess that was the big end of the movie. Yeah, and, like, you know, everybody's back together and, you know, everybody's friendly and everybody's safe. You know, they lost their apartment in the fire, but whatever. The next day, they go to a barbecue. The very next day. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what is this, in the future? And then I looked up the Wikipedia plot, and it's like, no, the next day. Classic <laughs> day after our apartment just burned down. Let's go to a barbecue. Yeah, man. We end, the, we end the film with Molly and James, and we got Molly's parents, her brother, his girlfriend at this family barbecue. And um, Julie's sort of standing off in the distance with Mikey as they're watching everybody. Mikey tells her that, you know, for as much as they get on each other's nerves, uh, they're, they're, they're kids and they got to stick together since the grownups, they don't make much sense. They don't know what's going on. And the two of them walk off hand in hand to I Got You, Babe by Sonny and Cher. And um, 80 minutes, we're out. Thank God. I mean, if this movie had been any longer, <clears throat> I'd have fucking killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, this was a rough watch, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just dive into it. because Please, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really have anything to say, though. I mean, we kind of, we covered everything, man. This movie is fucking lazy. It's just like, it's, it is about the most bare minimum of a film you could make that actually has a budget. Like, I, I see student YouTube projects better than this. Mm-hmm. I really do. It's... It's undeserving of anyone's attention. If you were nostalgic about it, keep being nostalgic about it. Don't fucking watch it. Um, it like again, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any cohesive plot. It feels slapped together. Um, I, it seems unethical because they're just making a baby fucking cry the whole eighty minutes. Um, the puppet is disturbing. I the, the one funny thing about it is Mel Brooks being a toilet. Like, <laughs> That's the tagline of the movie. Like the only funny thing is Mel Brooks as a toilet. Like it's it's like, it's just, it's bad, man. It's like, I think the worst movie we've ever seen on this, (laughs) on this podcast. And like, like, I think we've said that a few times. Sure. And I just don't know what's going to beat this. I really don't because it, it doesn't even feel like a movie. It's a movie podcast. I don't think we watched a movie. I think we watched a fucking 80 minute, uh, legal obligation. <laughs> and so like, I just, it, it, there's nothing redeeming about it. No one's good in this. No one's acting well in this. No voiceover is any good in this. I just skip it, skip it, skip it, skip it. 5% terrible. Whew. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's got a 13, so you're not too far off. Sadly. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of any redeeming qualities, but you're right. It just doesn't, it, even in terms of the most generic family comedy, it just doesn't hit those beats that I expect it to to make you feel good by the end of it. I just didn't. It's got an, it's got an okay soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, an okay soundtrack. That scene with him dancing to Elvis is all right. I didn't hate Damon Wayans and the Toilet Monster Man or whatever it was did get a laugh out of me. And I think that's really all I have to say. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can, you whittle down the good moments into <laughs> ten seconds of film. Like it's. Yeah, it's it's not a movie. It, it does, man. It, it seems like one of those, and we get these far too often now. These carbon copy, uh, you know, hangover sequels where they try to just rehash the first one to diminishing effect. Yeah, and this even on those standards seems lackluster and and like you said, lazy. It's just a it's just a lame movie, and I don't know how much. I, I guess if you want to see any of this movie, maybe just watch the YouTube, the fucking sperm scene at the beginning, because that's all you're really going to remember in the end anyway. (laughs) Um, And again, I guess if you were to have nostalgia for this, maybe check out that first film. That one had a 50 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I imagine it's it's a movie. You know what I mean? You might get more enjoyment out of that than you will. Something. Yeah, something out of it, because I feel like that's at least a narrative. And it probably was pretty novel at the time. And I guess the idea, you know, we got so many of these since then. And I think we even had some before this, like Milo and Otis. So that was right around this time where it was just people talking over either animals or babies. Yeah. And then you get more of it later on. You get like baby geniuses and you get. uh, Oh, my God. Like that. If anything's going to be worse, it could be that movie. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, Yeah. Maybe. Baby genius has a plot. 
Oh, but I, I just I just hate that. I think as an adult, knowing now who I am, I just hate this style of movie. I don't yeah, like I don't I like just this. don't like it. Um, I'm not opposed to talking animal movies or anything like that. We actually had a good time with that Homeward Bound movie from what I remember. We did. But I remember us laughing at at the whole yes. concept of it too. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that, that that's the I, the voiceover shtick. I just don't think like has ever really worked i like yeah homeward bounds like a decent movie but that's because it's got a lot of character to it and a lot of like emotion like but like i could have done without the voiceover part of it yeah you know what i mean like that's the thing and i I think the problem comes with these movies is they have such a paper thin plot that they're able to just film fucking these animals or babies doing nothing and then you get bruce willis in there stoned off a joint or something that he smoked as he walked into the booth and he's just talking about nonsense forever it's it's such a shame because it's such a cheap cheap hollywood gimmick that you can make like and like because it costs nothing to do this it costs absolutely nothing to do this and like you get that first movie grossing over fucking 200 million dollars 40 million dollars that's insane it's it's just like it sucks when that works out because it does feel like the bare minimum they're doing they don't necessarily care about you doing when they do this it just kind of sucks like and it it was never more apparent than this and i would assume that third one oof i can't imagine and, and i can't even imagine how bad that third movie is and for them to and a lot of people could say well it's for kids and it's like it kind of isn't though it's rated pg13 it's got There's enough nothing in this for kids yeah and it's got enough like sex related humor and swearing that it's like this is clearly meant for either a family or people who aren't who aren't babies and so it's like and, what do you expect yeah, us to and get out the of babies it? The jokes that the babies make are not for children. Yeah. Like, the, the kids wouldn't find that funny. So I, do, I reject the idea that this is a kid's movie. It's not. There's nothing in this that that, that is for children at all. Like, Gilbert Godfrey? What? <laughs> no? Like, of course not. Yeah. I, I, could, I could argue that if this were maybe, I don't want to say dumbed down, but if there were at least more... Um, I can also don't want to say immature because it already is, but I guess if it was more geared more toward kid kids, friendly. yes, yeah, I could maybe forgive some of it as it's just like you know to to entertain stupid kids and like yeah, you know if, we've done that before yes. on this show. We've been like you know what this is for kids, it's not for us. Like we understand, but this I, they're Kirstie Alley getting sexy to get her ex back is not a kid's joke. No. No, a, a baby puppet choking on an umbilical cord and talking about <laughs> how short life was is not a kid's <laughs> joke. Insane. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty much just gonna match what the critics said. I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a 15 uh, for the Toilet Man and Damon Wayans. Uh, but yeah, no, I, this is one of the worst movies. We, I think that's probably one of the worst grades I've given. I think we gave maybe a 10 to something before. But yeah, I think this is probably yours. The, yeah, yeah, five percent's easily the worst thing I've I've given on this show, and I stand by it. Honestly, I only gave it a five because I feel weird giving it a zero. <laughs> I really I hate the movie that much. I think now that I'm looking back, I think the one that we both had the lowest score on, closest to this, would have been Wild Wild West. And now that I'm thinking of it, this is a worse movie than Wild Wild West. This is worse. So than I gotta Wild go. Wild yeah, West. I gotta go. Probably a ten. Honestly, I really just had nothing, nothing in here that uh, I'm ever gonna want to yeah. rewatch or revisit. So, okay, so ten five. Whew. That's a skip, friends. Aggregate score, f- <laughs> aggregate score of 50. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe check out that first one if it's streaming anywhere, but I, I really had a bad time with this one. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, man. Don't don't bother. <sighs> it's on Hulu if you want to torture your fucking self. <laughs> like, if you're a masochist, you're like, instead of, and you don't feel like whipping yourself in the back. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, uh, I'm, I'm thinking next week's movie actually won't be such a shit. Such a shitty time. Um, no. But before we get there, Zach, anything that you watched that you liked or did not like over the past uh, week or two? Yeah, I'll give you two movies that I saw. Um, first of all, I finally uh, nutted up and went and saw The Matrix Resurrections, Matrix 4. Dude, I don't know if you've seen it since we talked. Um, <laughs> no, I have not heard it. I have not seen it since we talked, but I will preface this with I, you are so far the only person, <laughs> I think, in my friend group to say this. However, yeah. critics seem to be either literally like zero or a hundred on this thing. <laughs> yeah, dude, I loved this movie. I don't care. What, <laughs> I, like, I don't fucking care what anybody says. Like, yeah, there is some stupid, stupid shit going on in it. But yeah. like pick a Matrix movie where there isn't some stupid shit going sure, on. Like sure, it really yeah. like I think it would like because the whole time I'm just like, why? How are we making this movie? And you know what, man? 
by the end of it, I was like, I had a ton of fun. Like, it's more fucking slow motion kung fu. Like, fucking, who gives a shit? And, like, I thought it was, like, it, like, opens it up maybe to make more, but, like, okay. don't, they don't have to if they don't want to. Like, yeah. I I was totally cool with this movie being made after I saw it. I had a fuck ton of fun. I, like, that movie is about as close to, like, don't overthink it as I can recommend because it is, like, literally just, like, it's more Matrix if yeah. you loved the Matrix, there's it's the best one since the first one. I'll say that it's okay. better than Reloaded and Revolut and whatever the fucking third one. Revolutions, Revolutions? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Revolutions. It's it's way better than both of those movies. So you I might think, have to check one of those out for the show eventually. Do I think we have to do Reloaded next? Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's, yeah, I loved that movie, and I I apologize if you didn't like it or if nobody liked it. I think that movie is fucking a blast. <laughs> That's so funny, yeah, because I really didn't have any interest after hearing all the reviews, and then it was like you and the We Hate Movies guys were like, this is fucking great. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking amazing. I love that movie. I, I'm, I'm really like, like, all right, maybe I'll have to check it out. I, yeah. mean, I mean, it's way better than fucking Look Who's Talking To, so... <laughs> If you don't mind putting yourself through that, I definitely think you should watch Matrix Four. <laughs> um, right, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one I saw was Encanto. I wasn't as stoked on that one as I was Matrix Encanto. Encanto. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, Disney Plus. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda wrote all the music for it. Um, he did not. He didn't have anything to do with the story or anything like that, though. Um, I I enjoyed it. I think it's not the best. Pixar movie I've ever seen, or yeah, I think it might be just. I think it might just. I think it's just a Disney movie. Sorry. Um. Well, it's not the best Disney movie I've ever seen either, but it's pretty fun. Um, Okay. If you if you like that stuff, it's got some great music in it. Um. You know, there's a couple of like very Hamilton stuff that's not my favorite, but like there is some a couple of songs in there that I like been stuck in my head for like the last two weeks. So okay. Um. And you know, it's you know. It's 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 a okay plot. I like worth the watch. I, if you are bored one day, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, give it that. Because twenty twenty one was a pretty lukewarm year for animated movies. It seems like I think the Oscar not yeah. at the time of recording this. I think Oscar nominations are coming out in a week or two. But I'm genuinely like, what the fuck's gonna get? Like Luca was okay. I did like Mitchell's versus the Machines. Did you check that one out? I didn't check that Netflix? one. Netflix. That one's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. Encant- Encanto will probably get a nod. I don't know. Yeah. If it'll win anything? That's it might the thing. Win is like, it could win. Might, like, I don't know. It could win like. Like best, best animated or feature something or something. Like something. Best yeah. animated feature. Like I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a weird year for animated films. Um. Uh, probably the best one of the year but i mean that's kind of a low bar so there there's my recommendations but again matrix <laughs> <laughs> well i did see uh, scream four five that's what it is now uh Ooh. yeah i saw the newest one of that in theaters i had a fun time you know uh better than most or some of the sequels anyway i gotta say and i know we covered that scream three as opposed to most of those like horror franchises that just keep running I'd say it's probably the most consistent in terms of like quality. You get, maybe if Scream Three is like the worst in your series, you're not yeah. doing that bad, you know, in terms of the horror true. franchises. Yeah. yeah, fair. Um, but again, yeah, we're finally recording that uh, with the Thrill Me guys there this weekend, so I'll let okay. you know when that's up uh, next yep. week if we get that finally recorded. And the only one I I watched I hadn't seen in probably ten or fifteen years uh, was Dogma. Kevin Smith. Oh god. I haven't seen Dogma in so long. I was like, fine, what the fuck? And I, I gotta randomly say, have honestly, a DVD of Dogma somewhere. I, like, dude, and I, I think I, I think it holds up. I think it's a pretty good movie, honestly. Like it's just so fucking weird. It's so well written, like his dialogue specifically, and there's a lot of stuff that falls apart with the mythology of it all, but I had a good time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Dogma. Yeah, just a random shout out there. <laughs> the Matrix and Dogma. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, next week, uh, we're hitting up Disney Plus again, so if you got the app, feel free to watch beforehand um, to get yourself uh, prepped. You can also read the book. Oh, you could read the book. And I Zach, won't, but I read this book. Oh, my God. Out of the 15 books in my life I've read, <laughs> Holes this happens to be one, one of them. them. That's right, buddy. We're doing 2003's Holes. Yeah, I also read this book. Um, Stanley Yelnats. Stanley Yelnats, and... Uh, I'm very curious to know how this movie holds up because people were fucking obsessed with this movie. Yeah. It also and gives the, us... And, and the book. Gives us an opportunity to talk about one Shia LaBeouf, who I think was pretty uh, popular for our generation. God, have we even had him on the show? Is this his freaking cherry I, popping on Nostalgia <laughs> I think we're about to cherry pop Shia LaBeouf. 
Thank God, because we it's about fucking time. And you what know a what movie I mean? to do that. Holes. We're gonna cherry bob his hole. <laughs> I hate myself. Yeah, I, I know. don't want to even laugh. I like. I'm, yeah. ups, I'm upset right. that I like yeah. had a silent laugh at that. That was my thoughts watching Mr. Toilet Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh boy, uh, but yeah, if you want to yeah, check holes out Holes uh, prior to our episode dropping, it is on Disney Plus. Um, you can check out all of our previous episodes, if you like, over at nbd.podbean.com, where we are originally hosted. But you can also find us on any of them apps. Uh, just uh, look for us, Nostalgia Be Damned, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're out there. Yeah, we are. Uh, you can also please, please, please write us in at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. We'll take suggestions. We'll take criticism. We'll take praise. We'll take anything you want. Um, and please, 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 please. Write us a review, share with your friends. Any sort of exposure we get with the show is very, very helpful. We'll take it. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much does it, right? I think you know, so. Your, you can drop us veggies, a Eat your veggies. Your drop us a line on uh, Twitter or on Instagram if you'd like as sure. well. And uh, yeah, as Zach said, tell a friend, write a review. It really helps out the show. Thanks, guys. Wash, wash your hands, wear a mask, get vaccinated. Let's go, Brandon! <laughs> uh,